Yeah, if you've got a new friend, sit with them. Don't leave them. I think sometimes, to be honest, one of the hardest places um, in church is the eight feet from aisle to aisle because you get comfortable with the people we know and we get caught up with the four, us four no more and come visit and the person's kind of waiting to step across the aisle and it becomes really difficult. So thank you for, for loving on people. Um, thanks for being here. It's not snowing yet. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. Jesus and I are in deep discussion. We're talking about 6,400 feet or 66. We're kind of bouncing back and forward. We'll see where it snows this year. And if he does love me, he'll keep it above 6,500 feet. And if he loves me, he'll let it snow below so I can grow and maybe work on this thing today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Crossroads, both those watching us online and those in person. Thanks for taking this journey with me. It's been said that, um, that attitude is everything, right? I mean, I, I think I've heard that before. And if her attitude is like a lay, how do you smell this morning? Because I love the worship. Don't get me wrong, worship team, Laura and Amy, everybody. I think it's great. It's easy to worship Jesus this way. It's way more powerful to do this, to engage someone else and allow them to experience your life and you. What if, what if attitude is simply just like a lay? Or attitudes like, act like this lay, you could say, that you experience me before I ever get up close and personal to you. I've shared it before. One of the greatest things when I went, we got the privilege to go to Hawaii once was, was getting off the plane. And all of a sudden, there was just an aroma in the air. I couldn't see where it was coming from until we walked around the corner. There was dozens and dozens and dozens of men and women in Hawaiian gear with lays on. And the aroma just filled the air. Why is it so important, can I, the concept of being aware of how powerful your attitude is? Because it's like a lay. People get to experience you before they ever get close to you. People walk in here hurting and searching. People walk in here confused and angry. People walk in here lost and alone. People walk in here feeling devalued. People walk in here, the list can go on and on and on and on and on. They walk in here and they get their experience, you and I. Maybe you've heard this before. We're not always in control of what happens to us, but we're always in control of how we respond to it. I can't control how people treat me. I, I can't control how people treated me last year during COVID because I took a neutral stance and honored my governor. And maybe we'll talk about that this morning. I've asked my wife's permission. Um, I, can't, I cannot control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond to what's happening to me when we walk things out. Sure, attitude is the only thing that you have 100% control of. It's just like the lay. We choose the ingredients of it. I went online and picked these. are some of my favorite flowers in Hawaii. Went online, I picked these flowers for them to put in this lay because I like this. But here's the thing. See, your thoughts become words. 
controlled by you. Words become actions, guess what? Controlled by, by you. Actions become habits, guess what? Controlled by you. Habits become character, guess what? Controlled by you. And well, character is everything. So it all starts with our attitude, and, and that's what today's thought's all about. The whole series is about attitude, but, but not just attitude today, but more than that, a specific type of attitude. And actually, Jesus says he leans into this particular type of attitude. In fact, he says he shows grace and favor towards it. But please heed a warning. Dad's way goes against the mindset of our culture, but his way is always right. Our culture is wrong. It says this in 1 Peter 5. In every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Because God resists you when you are proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you're humble. If you're in a relationship right now, friendship, relationship, engaged, marriage, and it's struggling... I give you a free piece of advice. You don't have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a therapist. Just go humble yourself before the person and say sorry. I mean, honestly, boys can't do that. Only men can. But anyway, I'm being honest. It's easy to be prideful. It takes a lot of guts and a lot of strength to drop to a knee and to say sorry to somebody. Or to actually soften and go, hey, would you please forgive me? I think I screwed this up. I think I crossed a line. You see, our or my attitude is everything, and it affects everything, least of all it make you feel. I fought really hard last year to not get a stinking attitude during the whole COVID thing. Thank you, baby. Because no matter where I looked, I was wrong. No matter what I did, everybody's just against me. No matter what decision I tried to make, it was like, you're just, you're not spiritual. You're not, you're not following Jesus. You're not being a good American. I'm not an American. <laughs> oh, oh, you laugh? You uh, slash, uh, neither are you. Oh, you're not laughing at that one. Oh, I'm so sorry. So it's okay for the Irish guy to not be American, but you're like, no, I am. Actually, I'm sorry. You're not. Oh, just use flash. Change the message, stop the message. Newsflash, your American passport doesn't get you into heaven. Neither does your Irish one, or your Mexican one, or your Italian, or your French, or your whatever. The only passport gets you in is a personal relationship with a living Savior who's transformed and changed you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your story. And we walk in the things he's called us to walk in. Attitude is everything in all that we do. See, unfortunately, humility is not an attitude or culture or athletes, or political leaders, kind of sadly, even some Christians, sadly, even value or model, but it's the Jesus way. Think about this, Philippians 2 says this, he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God. This is supreme prize. Instead, Jesus, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable. Choosing to be revealed as a man 
and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. See, it's really hard so often in our culture to accept the stories of Jesus getting a basin of water and a towel and washing people's feet. But the greatest man who ever lived reduced himself to a servant, allowed the aroma of his attitude to be experienced by the whole room. What does humility, or maybe another word that some people use is, is meekness, look like? Well, it's strength under control. See, a, a lot of people like, who likes horses in the room? Whoop, whoop. Okay, can I let you have a secret? And the, this is free. You know, I won't send you the bill. Um, but you know, you think horses are actually broken, but they're not. They're just putting up with you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I like, no, 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 no. Any split second that horse changes its mind and just wants to do that. Like, you're a heap in the corner. See, a stallion in one sense is like humility or meekness. It's strength under control. I mean, take this on for size. This is the guy who got a basin and a towel and washed people's feet. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. See, a prideful person would have said, come close, come close, come close. Fry them. I need to fry them all. <laughs> if, if, I've said that before. If that was me, I'd have been like, hi, everybody. How are you doing? Come, ouch, come close. I'd have fried them all. I would have fried you all. I would have. Because I'm still working on this. But Jesus didn't. He took the attitude of a servant to humble himself and said, Dad, don't hold it against them. They don't really understand what they're doing. I'm willing to see this through to the end. If that's not a position of humility, I, I don't know what is. The whole series has been about encouraging us to ask Dad to help us adjust our attitude to one that is pleasing to God. Why? Because the right attitude is a huge benefit to us. Humility can be one of the most profound aromas that can literally change people's lives. See, and I'm going to mess the camera up. Sorry, online, just put up with me. And if we don't have humility, this is impossible. Unconditionally loving people. If we don't have humility, acceptance of people is impossible. I don't mean approval. I mean acceptance simply because they're made in God's image. If we don't walk in humility, forgiveness Real genuine forgiveness. I don't mean forgiving and keep a list. I mean genuinely forgiving people is impossible. That literally the whole idea of walking in humility before one another because we've all needed it. Because if we can, broken, searching, scared, hurting, curious people can feel safe in an atmosphere of humility. Why? Because humility allows unconditional love and acceptance to soar, not approval. Maybe a, an attitude of humility can invite people to belong here before they ever have to choose to believe here. Maybe just simply being open to walk in a spirit of humility that we've all been there and all had those days and all been in that place would allow people to feel like they can belong here without ever having to believe anything we say or do. That we would just give them enough room to breathe, to get to a place where they choose to follow 
and then maybe choose to believe and then maybe choose to obey Jesus. You see, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but instead thinking of yourself less. That's real humility. It's presented as this weak, pathetic, non-manly thing. It's the most manly thing you can actually do is to walk in humility because my mentor did and his name is Jesus. And in the garden, he said, Father, I don't want to do this, but if Rob needs me to see this all the way through so he can be free, I'm going to stay here in the garden. That's the Irish version, by the way, for all the theologians in the house. Or the cross, Father, forgive them because they really don't have a clue etc., 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 etc. We say we're followers of Jesus, then what does it look like to walk in humility before one another? Hebrew word for humility is avana. What does it mean? It means not taking up too much space, nor is it taking up too little space, but more so it's taking up your space. The space that's been set apart for you to be everything that God has designed you to be. Why? Because maybe this way, it's designing to make a name for God through our life instead of trying to make a name for ourselves. Why is that important? Because harmony is what results when hearts are committed to what? Humility. And this is a freebie for all those who are married, all those who are dating. You want your dating relationship, your engaged relationship, your marriage to work? Lay down pride, pick up humility. Lay down destructive, life-taking behavior, pick up life-giving, life-speaking behavior. It is that simple. If you and I want harmony in those places in our life, this is an absolute must. And I say this respectfully, and you can talk to me afterwards. It is easy to come to worship when you have people like we have on the stage who give it their all. It is easy to experience that. The more powerful part is to take what you experience and implement it in your lives in a way of walking in humility. Because we go, Jesus, I love you, but I don't like Alan. <laughs> Jesus, I love you but I'm offended at Alan. Jesus, I love you, but he just, needs to, he just needs to fix it. And Jesus goes, really? I think I did that for you. So why don't you just model what I did for you with others? Harming our relationships, what would you be willing to pay for that? That's easy. Try humility. The Bible says it this way, Romans 12. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. Be as mindful of another's worth as you are your own. That takes humility. It also takes guts. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others. Hmm. But be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Ouch. Philippians 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself, that takes guts. What does it look like in reference to us? So actually, rather than me talking to you about it, I wanted you to hear a story of where humility has been applied in their situation. And what goes 101 to 1001, and I dare you to listen, and I dare you to ask Jesus to step into the situation. Amy and Michael, would you join me, please?
So, so we're clear, um, this is a setup. I knew what I was talking about. I know where Amy and Mike are, are, are actually leaving here shortly to move to Ireland. Um, <laughs> no, 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 sorry. No, okay, they're going to, another, yes, they're going to another green place. But I, as I was talking to them, I've just had the privilege of them being in my life for quite a few years. And they made me a better person because of who they are. Um, uh, uh, warning, they're not religious people at all. And so in a minute here, Amy's just going to give us an overview of their journey from day one to where they're at today. And then I asked Amy and Mike if I would, could talk to them referent to today's subject matter of how this kind of has applied in their life. So I'm just going to hand over to Amy and let Amy give us an overview. So Amy, when you're ready, sweetie, go for it. A slippery slope of an emotional affair and I'll just say as a side note an affair doesn't always mean sex uh, when I arrived here about a week after he did I sat down and told him that I was done I had an appointment with a lawyer I was looking for rent rental places and I said I don't love you anymore I didn't feel protected and don't want to be with you. And he responded exactly the way I knew he would. And he said, if you don't want to be here, I'm not going to fight for you. That's what we did and how we responded. And next, I just wanted to say how God responded and what he said. God gave Micah a vision that completely changed his outlook. God told him to pray for me every day and every night. And I can say five years later, Micah prays for me every single day. Out loud with his hand on me. Whether I'm sleeping or whether I'm awake. <clears throat> That one thing has made me feel so loved. Our pastors from Florida kind of saw what was occurring and came and visited and gave us a book called Torn Asunder, and we went through it all by ourselves. And it helped us 
learn how to, um, well, it just helped us walk through the grief, really, is all that it did. And we started seeing a counselor, and all he did was read us Bible verses and say we were doing a good job, and that was not helpful. Um, that's what I was afraid of when we went to see a Christian counselor, and then that's exactly what happened, and it was really disappointing because we weren't doing a good job. Um, it's interesting because, like, the top two-thirds of our marriage was great. We laughed, we talked, we communicated. Every, you know, we, we had a great marriage, but, like, that underlying pride that was in the way was what was so bad. And I will never, ever forget the day that I walked through those doors downstairs. And Pastor Rob was quickly doing the next thing. But he said, how are you guys doing? And I said, we're not good. And I could almost hear the cartoon. <laughs> like, like, he just he stopped. And he looked me dead in the eyes. And he said, what can we do to help? I said, well, we're counseling and it's not helping. And our marriage is dying. And this is the power of living with margins that he's preached so much about. He had time for us on Tuesday. This was Sunday. He had time for us on Tuesday. And he uh, just helped us to see what our strengths were, that all we could see in each other was weaknesses. And then... <clears throat> We went on a three weeks missions trip to Haiti and we spent a lot of time talking and healing. And then Pastor Rob asked us, what do you think you could put in place for the future to protect your marriage? And so we kind of wrote a little contract. And one of the most important parts of that is we give each other permission for do-overs. And that is humility. Because it's easier to stick it to someone when they say something or do something and don't let them fix it. And the power of saying, wait, can I have a do-over? has been absolutely crucial in our healing. Now we laugh about it a lot. <laughs> Not going to lie, sometimes it really sucks. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the story. That's the backstory. story. <laughs> Micah, Amy, um, obviously we talked before this, so I'm not going to, we're not going to, I talked to them about what today was about, and, and I've had the privilege of, of uh, at least championing them or, or cheerleading them through the process. The best country in the world is obviously Jesus and our personal walk, but Bibles talks about in multitude of countries is wisdom, and so they're my friends, and I love them. I don't love them any less on the Sunday as I did on the Tuesday or whenever the whole process of unraveling went on because we all have stuff. But, but Micah, because um, there's a lot of guys listening and, and we talked about it before, uh, the, biggest, the biggest group of people that struggle with humility and this is a sexist thing, so get over it, is guys, right? We got this, Ugh. I mean, the guy that, you know, I actually went, dad, don't fry them and I'll stay here, dad, if I have to, to see this through. So that's the guy we should be copying, not the, Ugh. I mean, whatever that is. So, I mean, Whatever. Um, but how has humility, like as you talk about this, people are watching online, Amy Micah here in person. How has humility been a part of your journey and, and, and kind of how's that played out in, in reference to this and just be who you are? 
All right, so don't nobody laugh at me if I cry. Because <laughs> that might happen. I told him that the sexiest thing a man can do is cry. <laughs> Bring on the emotions. I want to see them. Okay, amen, let's go home. <laughs> so for, for, for various reasons, either traumatic childhood, traumatic relationships, I don't know, for whatever reason, I uh, worked really hard and I gave myself the ability to shut off emotionally. And for deployments, I mean, I was active duty military. I got sent out to Northern California. I was there for four months. I deployed for four months. I came home for two months. I deployed for four months. I came home for 10 days. I was gone for a month. I mean, it was just nonstop. And that was my first deployment, having been, been married to her. And yeah, in the middle of that deployment, it was like, gosh, I'm on the other side of the world. I'm in the Middle East. My wife is in California. Um, this is too hard. And so I just shut down emotionally, and I left her abandoned, and that was my bad. That was completely my bad. The problem was, a guy can think that he can shut off all the bad emotions, but when you shut off emotions, no one has figured out the ability to shut off just the bad ones. All of them die. And so, me leaving her in that, that was my pride. I was so strong. You know, the society teaches us, Men shouldn't cry. You see it in movies all the time. It's so romantic, but it's not real life. You know, you got men are hard. They're the lion. They're the protector. They've got to be hard and blah, 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 and all this other BS that goes along with it. And that's what I thought that I had to do to protect my wife. And by protecting my own emotions, I left her wide open. Could not be her protector. She was abandoned. My pride was such that it got in the way of my own happiness because I was protecting myself. Um, she spoke about this vision thing. She's right. She told me she was leaving. I said, well, don't let the door hit you. See you later. And she, we went to bed. I slept on the couch. Um, this vision that I had comes out of John chapter 8. Bunch of dudes circle Jesus, they throw a woman on the ground in front of him, and they're like, yo, we caught her in adultery, and the law says to kill her. What do you say? And he didn't say anything at first. What he did do was kneel down. And they kept pressing him for an answer, and then he finally stood up and said, whoever doesn't have sin, throw the first stone. And then he knelt down again. I think that's the ultimate sign of humility is the kneeling posture. And that's what he did. And one by one, all these dudes walked away, and it's just Jesus and the woman. So this vision that he gave me was a woman on her knees, and him stooped down. And he lifts up her head, and he looks at her, and it was the face of my wife, and it pissed me off. <laughs> I was just like, you can't do this to me. Don't do this to me. But I knew right then that Gosh, this was our perfect example of humility. This, he gave up being God. And he came down and he knelt down to a sinner. I had every right as a man to be mad at her. But it was just as much my fault. Giving up the pride of protecting myself so I can protect her. That was arguably the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. Is to leave myself wide open for that. Thank you, Micah. Thank you. Amy. Um, hi, has you know, you've been a part of your journey in Reform. Now you give us a snapshot of where it was and where it's at now. But how has humility kind of played out in this for you? 
it, it's really a lot easier for me to see his humility. So I told him I was going to speak to his. And if he sees any of me, he's going to have to speak to it because I just don't think of it that way. But um, <clears throat> the, the biggest important thing to me was when we were healing, as he said, if you ever feel like you're being taken uh, for granted, please let me know. And many, many months went by. And then I started feeling that old feeling that was really hard to put my finger on exactly what to say, but we had kind of come up with this phrase so that he would know what I was talking about. Because originally, I told him for years, I feel like a flower and I'm wilting. And he just, like, that didn't make sense to him. But being taken for granted made sense to him. So when I would come to him, uh, I came to him and said, I'm feeling again in that space of being taken for granted. And his first response was being defensive. And I've learned the humility for me is to step back and give him a day or two to process that instead of fixing it right now. And then always, always the next, it breeds more humility. My humility breeds humility. Then, then instead of being defensive, the next day he would come to me and say, you're right, I see what you're talking about. And how can we fix it? And that has been crucial for us because I'm a fix it right now. And he's a let me think about it kind of a guy. And so those, uh, those times of humility, I feel like, have made a huge impact in our marriage. Was it hard to implement humility for you, Mike, if you, Amy, and why? What was one snapshot? What was, what was the biggest challenge? Well, yeah, like I said, guys have it in their head that they've got to be big and brash and bold and just awesome and whatever and... You know, there, there's something to be said for emotional detachment. I get it. I get it. But for me, like I said, the hardest thing I've ever had to do was to, to break down, to open up, to let her know, yes, you're absolutely right. I abandoned you. I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to tell someone you're wrong. It's hard to confront someone and tell them that I screwed this up. I screwed this up. I, whether you know how to fix it or not, work together to fix it. That was, that was our thing. You know, initially, like she said, she got here. She had it in her head that I was just going to tell her bye and that we were going to go our separate ways. And quite honestly, when I came in and prayed for her that next morning, she rolled over. She was mad. She didn't want to deal with it. For two years, <laughs> the pastor in Florida said, Men, if you're not praying over your wives every day, you're doing it wrong. And for two years, he didn't do it. And then we got here, and I was done. And then he started. So, yes, I was mad. <laughs> it's, like, it's too late, buddy. It wasn't. It wasn't too late. <laughs> so, hey, Mike, Amy, when you think about it, was it, was it hard for you to implement? I mean, obviously, as you walked it, it I love what you said. It takes, it takes both of us to become to walk in humility, it's not just one. One can start the process, but it's the blending is two people. And so as you think about it, you walk in it, Amy, was it hard? Or, or why was it harder? Do you think it was harder? Maybe it wasn't for yep. you. Um, I think initially it was very, very hard, and it took several weeks to melt my pride. But the, the biggest thing that, one of the biggest things that you said that made a huge difference to me was Everyone needs to be needed. And that's what destroyed my independence. Because 
then I was able to, I was able to put myself, for me, putting myself into a position of needing Micah was against everything that I had built up in myself to protect myself from the men in my life. Daddy, first husband, second husband, you know, uh, bosses at work, whatever the case may be, like, I am woman and I'm strong. I'm the warrior woman, right? Um, yes, we are warriors, but um, p- placing myself in a, the humility of I need you to do these things or I need from you was so hard. That was so hard. We could talk for days and hours. Mike and Amy, and thank you for being here, and I think this is real, but do me a favor. There's a camera up there, Amy, Micah, there's people sitting in this room. People will watch it days from now. They will. I, I hope that people would have the guts to call friends who are struggling to help them point this dream. Micah, Amy, what would you say to someone who's considering allowing humility to be a part of their journey when it hasn't been? What would you say to them today if they were watching online or sitting in this room? What would you say to them? Buy tissues. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Comic relief. <laughs> Buy tissues, right? That guy. <laughs> Double ones. Big boxes. Yeah. Go with the puffs with aloe because they're softer than yours. There you go. So, honestly, I, I think, and I'm going to speak directly to men here. Um, it's so easy for us to take verses out of the Bible that demand that a wife respect your husband. Um, I, I don't think it says it that way. People read it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found, and this is practical for my own marriage, if I want respect from my wife, I have to be humble before her because that's what breeds respect. I, I was, you got to say that one more time because when he said that yesterday, I just was like, whoa. So, so let me say it to you this way. Rob earlier said that humility is strength, strength under control. I would take that one tiny step further and say humility is strength. Amen. Just... Boom. You want to be a strong dude? Don't drop the mic. Don't drop the mic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a practical thing, you know, and it's such a hard thing to do. Such a hard thing to do. But you want your wife's respect? Be humble. Be open. I'm going to say the ugliest thing. Are you ready? Do it. Do it. So to women... If you are working so hard at humility and you're feeling so stuck because you don't feel like the man is doing it too, I dare you to pray the prayer I prayed before all of this happened. (laughs) I told you. I dare you to pray. Guys, be scared. God, please do whatever it takes. I'm willing for you to do whatever ever breaking what whatever is necessary i want you to do it i just dare you women to pray that for your for your marriages because that's where this all started the whole mess it's her fault hey guys would you put your hands again and say thank you this is a couple This is not a marriage seminar, uh, but uh, j- hey, single guys, just what? Oh, yeah. 
If you're a single guy, if you want to win a woman's heart, I dare to find humility. I wonder if you have the guts. Again, little boys can't do this. Text men. Okay, so if you're a little boy, skip it. But if you're a man and you want to win a woman's heart, it's not about how tough we are on the outside. It's about soft and moldable we are on the inside and allowing Jesus to put his hands into the depth of our heart. Why should it be our priority to have a humble attitude? Because you can ask for forgiveness and you can ask for help when you're humble, but prideful people can't. You can ask for forgiveness, you can ask for help. Prideful people can't. Adam, come here a second. I've known this guy for, literally, it's crazy. We're old now, um, but I've known him for over two decades. And last year during COVID was one of the hardest years of my life. Because no matter what I did, I was wrong. In our community, some of us here, because you have a difference. See, I, I'm not a red or a blue person. I'm a white person. I come under the lordship of Jesus, not the lordship of the political party. And I'm not political. I'm a Christian first, and I have political views. But, but during COVID, I, I was able to ask Adam just to, at times to sit and to listen and just to let me talk because it was really, really difficult. And the biggest thing I had to struggle with is you're the senior pastor of the church. Get your stuff together. Right? In fact, to be really honest, your friend this morning said, you signed up for this. I did. And I wouldn't want to do anything else. But it still hurts. It's still hard at times. It's still weighty at times. And don't say your rule isn't because you're, you're lying to yourself. You don't like some of the stuff you do at work. You don't love every person you work with. You don't make all the right decisions in your job. And neither do I. But I want to pursue Jesus. But to have someone and to walk in a place of going, hey, you know me long enough and Adam I'm just struggling and it's really difficult he he wouldn't try and fix me he would just listen and let me just talk it out at times so I could just process my thoughts and he would just listen and love on me and he would call out the good stuff in my life and so why should we get to a place of having a, a humble attitude because if you don't get help in the midst of a really storm you might not make it through the storm I love you buddy thanks for everything Because even if you're 1% wrong, you can easily apologize for what you did wrong if you walk in humility. Because the Bible said this, and again, Amy, Lauren, the worship team, thank you guys. And I don't mean to disrespect the worship experience, but Jesus actually puts us in the Bible. If you want to get real into Jesus and really go for Jesus and go for it, it says this, in, it's not on the screen, it says this in Matthew 5. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Stop. Stop doing the Jesus thing. I'm so good with God. And this is so wonderful. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother or sister. And then come back and offer your gift. Walk in humility. If you know there's something there, there's attention. See, this doesn't replace right relationship. This doesn't replace right relationship. Having a wonderful time in Jesus and getting the Holy Spirit goosebumps and all that wonderful stuff and the, the atmosphere, the aroma that's stirred up in worship, it doesn't replace 
intimacy or harmony. It just leads us towards it. See, harmony is what results when hearts are committed to humility. Why? Because love manifests through humility makes the mending of relationships possible. Love manifests through humility makes the mending of relationships possible. Why? Because an attitude of humility, Amy said it, allows do-overs and second chances. An attitude of humility allows someone to say, I'm sorry, help me put it right. I know I've needed lots of do-overs. Just ask Andrea. So why wouldn't we let others have them? I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Why humility? Because humility keeps us in a place of right perspective, love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Why? Because this is an Irish version Bible for me, and I've quoted it too many times, probably. It's really simple. is treat people the way you want to be treated, especially if the shoe is on the other foot. If I, if I need to go to Alan to like Alan to ask forgiveness on me or something, I better take a right attitude that if the shoe was in the other foot and Alan was coming to me and I had to ask for forgiveness, I better take the posture that I'd want Alan to take when he comes to me. Because if I don't, shame on you. Because I want people to forgive me, but I don't forgive other people. See, we cannot implement that perspective of humility without it being a foundation that we build from. John Newton says this, I'm persuaded that love and humility are the highest achievements in the school of Christ and the brightest and clearest evidences that he is indeed our master. And that love, humility, some of the most powerful indicators that Jesus is changing us. Think about what people what subject or matter or circumstance we let make us prideful or angry or arrogant. In those moments, how can you and I take God more seriously than we take ourselves or our opinions or our wants or our needs to just to be right? Because Micah says this in the message version, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in love, and don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> take God more seriously than you take yourself. Give yourself the grace to relax. How can we start choosing humility? Maybe the best place to start is in our attitude toward Jesus. <laughs> is it one of humility for all that he's done for you, and with a deep, deep desire to get to know him and to know him better? Lauren, would you come, please? This is probably way too out there for people. I'm just going to ask you to keep your eyes open. Ask you a personal question. Are you struggling with walking in humility right now in an area of relationship that you know God is calling you to? I dare you to stand. I get to walk in the light. Let Jesus me. I, I don't care that somebody's looking. I don't give a rip, you don't answer to him. You don't answer to him. You answer to him. I want to be free to be everything Jesus called me to be. And I know the one thing that stops
continually sprays on us, continually sprays it on you. I got this. I mean, I got this, but I love Jesus. I think Jesus is really confused. When one of his own takes to this posture, instead of this posture, I think that confuses him. Because Jesus' kids don't do that first. They do that first. love what I do. I don't want to quit. I'm not going anywhere. But this kid needs to walk in humility and go, Lord, I need to, all the pain, all the hurt, all the abuse, all of the rejection, all the misunderstandings, it was just a lot. And I'm probably a wuss. So sorry I am then. But I'm going to go get some help and go get some, I've got a counselor and I've had a counselor for quite a few months. I'm going to head off to our counseling center in January on the East Coast for a week. Because I don't want to quit what God's called me to do. Sometimes it hurts because hurting people hurt people. But hurting people are welcome here, right? But humility is going, Lord, I, I need help and I want people to walk with me. I want people to walk alongside. I, I want to make sure I don't let the weight of all that I had to put up for for a year and a half here in Utah with the COVID stuff and the political stuff kind of stop me from loving you and serving people. So all those who are standing, I ask you to look at me a second. What do you want? What do you want him to do right now for you? Just in your heart, head, what do you want? What do you want Jesus to do? Because here's the truth. He'll actually do it. If you actually open your heart and let him in. And let me go... And, I, and if I'm swearing in church, please forgive me. I don't mean to. But to heck. Oh, the other word. What people think. Who gives a rip? I, I don't. I, I want, where's Andrea? I think she's downstairs getting ready for the newcomer's lunch. I want Andrea to know she has a husband she can touch in his innermost beings. 
who doesn't have a hard shell. I, I want Andrea to have a husband whose attitude smells like a lay. Not like a lay made of flowers or anger or frustration or bitterness or jealousy or whatever it would be, but, but a husband who has a lay made of love and acceptance and forgiveness and patience and gentleness, self-control. I mean, I just want, I want Andrea to smell. I want you to smell that when you come in here. If you're here and you're searching for Jesus, you're welcome to belong before we ever have to believe. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. I just hope he draws you to a place of following him then choosing to believe in him. Pastor Joe, would you come down, please? You get to a place where you want to walk in obedience with him because you want to. But humility is something we want to do. We get to do. We get to walk in. I just want you to be free. I don't want you to be religious people. I don't want you to check the box on a Sunday and go home and Monday be different. I want you to enjoy Jesus as he enjoys you on a daily basis. And we get to have fun celebrating here. Pastor, I'm going to ask you to pray over us. Because I'm right with you. I want humility to be a part of my life. And Adam, thank you for, for walking with me through one of the darkest times in my life. And I've served in the military, so I don't mean this disrespectfully. I'm not a wuss. I've done 14 years. I served alongside men and women like so many of you. But the weight of is, I had a friend who just loved me. And you have a friend who just loves you and wants to meet you right where I am. Pastor, would you pray over us that, that we would get to walk into humility and allow it to apply our lives on Monday, not just Sunday and Sunday service, but live when we, when we get to that private place, Pastor Joe. That when all the lights are gone, all the people are gone, everything's gone away, the music's gone, the worship team's gone. That we go, Jesus, I, I get to apply humility in the most intimate place in my life. And that's in the most profound relationships that you walk in. And I dare you let Jesus change you at that depth because he will blow your mind. Please, Pastor. Jesus, would you... Uh continue to stir afresh in us the desire and the willingness to be humble people. There's something natural in our flesh that feels it needs to be pride-filled, either for self-defense or to rise to positions, but you say that you give grace to the humble and you actually oppose you are against the proud we don't want to be against you we know you're for us jesus would you help us to walk in humility each and every day would you help us to literally put it on like the flower lay like this morning i choose to put on humility and in those moments in my relationships and in my journey where the things inside of me that are God's still working on, rise up, help me to choose to put on humility in that moment. It's a choice. I choose to be humble because you're humble towards me. That you would lay your life down, that I could be free from sin, that I could say no to pride. Jesus, this week, would you guide us? Would you speak to us each and every day through your Holy Spirit that we would sense the opportunities to choose to be humble. Help us to take 
what feels like a harder road, but is so much more freeing to be open and honest and transparent. Jesus, we invite you in to continue the healing process in our hearts, in our minds that have been hurt and wounded by people in the past. And it makes us want to close them off and sometimes maybe be prideful or be distant. But you weren't filled with pride and you didn't get distance. You got closer to us. You were God who came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Instead of being more mad at us, you gave your life so that we could be free from this. So this week we surrender to you. We choose to put on humility and we ask for your spirit to speak into us each and every day. That for us to find harmony in our relationships with the people at work, with our family, and even with you, it's going to require us to put on humility. And we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Stay there, Pastor Joe. Let's see, guys, just quickly, would you, Amy and Micah, would you come up? Lillian, come on up here, sweetheart. Have a seat, guys, just for a second. Stay there. Step up on that step, would you, buddy? Pastor, you grab that microphone. These guys are uh, giving it all up <laughs> to leave and, and all jokes aside, to allow themselves for Jesus to place them somewhere else. And they're going to where? I want to say Ireland. See, I was going to say Costa Rica, Ireland, but it's actually Costa Rica without the Ireland, right? Because I've been told, teasing them, saying Ireland. I was going to say Ireland there. I'm like, no, it's Costa Rica. They're giving it all up to go to Costa Rica. One of their heart's desire is to create a place where leaders and people who are tired, pastors who are tired, could come and just rest, just unplug and just connect. And so if you're comfortable and it's not over-religious, would you, a sign of agreement is lifting your hand. Would you lift your hand just towards them as a family with us and as Pastor Joe and I just pray over them. You go first, Pastor, and then I'll... Uh, yeah, Jesus on. says uh, they surrender their lives to you and literally say, Jesus, guide us and direct us and you directed them to Costa Rica to rest in you, but also to prepare a place for people to come and rest in you, to recover and be restored. God, what a ministry, what a calling to be able to say yes to, to surrender and give up the possessions and things they have here and really start fresh somewhere else. I ask for your continued blessing and provision on them as they've been a blessing to us and I know to you. Would you help them with all the things that need to be done? God, I thank you that you're you're not only the creator of the world, but you're the sustainer and you help us with the things. You take care of the things like the schools and you take care of the things like the house things, the things we need. You know all that we need and you provide for us richly. I ask for your great provision over them and their family and that they would continue to see you in all the little miraculous provision that you do in all the things, the things of life that they would sense and that they would know deeply that you are with them.
Hey, just quickly, guys, we went over, my apologies, give Caitlin 55 bucks a person when you go downstairs um, and her team. But hey, if you want to come to Newcomers Lunch, please come join us afterwards. Um, if you need prayer, Amy and Micah, would you come back up here in a minute and just be available? Yep, come back up. It's exercise. You got your steps in today. You're good. I'm, I'm serious. If, if you know that God specifically spoke to you in this specific area, I, I dare you to allow Amy and Micah to pray with you. Because the biggest temptation right now is just to leave. File it, put it in a file and say that was good and go home. My challenge is, Lord Jesus, what would you have us do in reference to where we're at and struggling with humility? They'll stay all afternoon. Uh, other than till 5, because they're with me at Ogden tonight at 5, so they have to leave by 4.30. But do me a favor, would you stand this morning, guys, loving one another?